Our theme for today, some might think this is a little bit uh, late um, in, in the year already, but uh, the theme for today is Epiphany. Uh, so we'll be looking at uh, the, the three elements of Epiphany as we go through this morning. Now, when I was in my early teens, uh, I had stopped reading. Um, we didn't know at the time that I was dyslexic. And so my mum knew that I read comic books, so I thought, let's get him a comic book version of The Hobbit. And I started reading it, really enjoyed it, which led to me reading Lord of the Rings uh, and The Silmarillion. And through my, my growth in, in faith as well, that also led to me looking at it from a, a theological perspective. And it, it's quite, quite eye-opening to, uh, to be reading some of the stuff that Tolkien wrote with the theological leaning as well. So that, that had quite an impact uh, on my thinking throughout life as a result. So, all sorts of things. I, I'm, I was kind of hoping, given the amount of knitters that we have in this congregation, that someone might have said my very first knitting needles. I even put a hint up there on the, uh, on the screen, but no takers. So, but I'm, I'm sure when we start to think about it, there's lots of different things that, uh, that we've experienced people giving to us in life which have had an impact on what we've then gone on to do, even if it was just for a short time. Well, part of that is what we find in the story with the wise men. Because Jesus was given three gifts. Can anyone tell me what those three gifts were? Nathan? Myrrh, okay. Anyone else want to give me uh, another of the gifts? Yes, Nora? Myrrh and frankincense. So one left. Yes, Andrew? Gold, gold and frankincense and myrrh, the three gifts that Jesus receives, or rather Mary receives on Jesus' behalf. And those three gifts have a very clear direction for where Jesus will be going. It's not that these gifts were given to him and said, because of these three gifts, this is what you're going to do, but this was representing where he was going to be going in his life. Gold, obviously, for a king, pointing towards the fact that Jesus is the king, not just the king of the Jews, as the sign said on the cross, but the true king. Jesus is the king. The frankincense was for a priest. Frankincense was used in the temple to... Uh, to be a part of the, uh, the whole process of engaging in worship with God and it was the idea of offering up uh, sweet-smelling fragrances as part of prayer with, uh, with the, the worship that went on in the temple. And the whole idea with Jesus is that he is, to, when, when he's, he's born into this earth, part of it is he's, he's to be the, the great high priest, the, the new high priest that leads others to join in worship to God. So the frankincense pointing towards Jesus as the priest. And then finally, the myrrh pointing towards death and sacrifice. I'm sure no parent ever wants to think about what's going to happen at the end of the life of their child. I'm sure Mary had no idea what was going on with this gift as well. But this points to the reason why Jesus came. 
Myrrh points towards Jesus' death and the burial spices and perfumes that were used on his body. The gifts point to who Jesus is. A king, a priest, and a sacrifice for us all. We come now to our first Bible reading. And as ever, we're going to save the Bible reading together as it appears on the screen. Our first reading is looking at Jesus' baptism from Matthew chapter 3. We say together, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we're going to have an opportunity to have a a chat on our tables. And the question to be thinking as, as you're chatting is, what's the one thing that stands out to you the most from these verses. So uh, if you need to, uh, to find it, you've, you've got Bibles underneath your chairs. So Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17. Uh, I'll give you a few minutes to chat on your tables and then I'll come around and see what it is that you think's most jumped out to you from it. So there are a number of amazing things that happen in this passage. It's interesting, actually, we've so far only really tended to focus in on, uh, on a couple. But three initial ones that most people tend to, to look at. The first is, as we've said, John says, I need to be baptised by, by you. John recognises who Jesus is. John recognises who he is. And therefore realises that actually, I need to be baptised by you, not the other way around. That's, that's the pecking order that John recognises in the spiritual realm. We also see the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Some of you might have a clue as to why you're currently or have finished folding doves. Uh, But it's this whole idea of the Spirit being physically present for the first time that we're seeing in, in kind of a manifest form and coming down and resting upon Jesus. Both we see the, the, uh, Jesus the man being filled by the Holy Spirit, but also we see the Son and the Spirit, and in a moment the Father, all three interacting together. And then the third thing that people often will point to from this passage is what the Father says. The Father says, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And just like that, Street talk picked up all over as everyone was saying they were well pleased with everything. And nobody laughs at this joke, but it doesn't matter because I like it. And so I'm going to tell it every time I get to this passage. 
I even got one young person at uh, camp over the summer uh, to just continually say it, which was fantastic. I, I was really enthused by that. But anyway, the whole thing with God saying, with him I am well pleased. I am so pleased with my son. My son is amazing. My son is fantastic. My son is the best. That could equally have been what God said. But God was saying, this is my son, and I love him so much. And it's that affirmation element as well. God the Father saying, this is who Jesus is. And so these are kind of three, three of the main things that people often look at with this passage. But the one I want to look at, and we've touched on it a little bit, is something that I think is a little bit more important and tells us everything we need to know about Jesus. Jesus says, it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Yes, there is that identifying with the sinners of this earth, even though Jesus wasn't a sinner. But actually, the fulfilling all righteousness is about obeying the Father. It is right that he do this, because the Father calls him to do it. The Father calls on the Son to obey his will. And so Jesus gives us an example of who we should be as well. If we seek to be more like Jesus, we should seek to obey the Father's will. We, like Jesus, should obey the Father. We are coming close to the time when you will need your dove for uh, our final reflection. So do feel free to carry on folding as we continue with the service. But we come now to a second Bible reading, which we're again going to join in together with. And this is from the wedding at Cana. So we read these words together. On the third day, the wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now. Now again, with this passage, 
we have a number of interesting and important things that we can look at. So, for example, we have the fact that Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. Very often looked upon as Jesus saying, it's not yet my time of ministry. I I shouldn't be involved in anything here. We see that the master of the banquet tasted the wine that had been, sort of tasted the water that had been turned into wine. The very fact that the water has been turned into wine. Interestingly, coming from something that people uh, would hold water that people wash with. The very fact water is turned into wine, an amazing miracle, Jesus' first miracle. And then we also have the master saying to the, uh, the bridegroom, master, uh, the master says, you have saved the best until now. So not only was this water now wine, but it was better than all of the wine that had been bought for the wedding, including the best stuff that would have been right at the very start. This was better than all of that. But again, I want to focus on something a little bit different. All of those things are important. However, for me, the most important thing is not something that Jesus says, not something Jesus does, not even something that people respond to about something Jesus has done. It's actually something that Mary says. Mary says, do whatever he tells you. Mary tells them to obey Jesus. She tells the servants, who are the ones that are filling up the water jars, to obey Jesus. Because the servants obey Jesus, a miracle happens. Not just any miracle of water turning into wine, but the very best wine, the best of results comes from obeying Jesus. And that's something that we can look to in all things. The Bible points to the fact, and indeed says in in so many words, God has a plan for us. God has a plan for our lives, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. Jesus says, I came to give life, and life to its fullest. Obeying Jesus, following the plan God has for us, that is how we get to live life to its fullest. That is how we get the best in life. That is how God gives gifts to us. If we obey him, he gives us the best. And so, through looking at these three elements of Epiphany, we can see who Jesus is and why we're able to turn to him and follow him. Jesus the king, Jesus the high priest, Jesus the sacrifice for us. Through looking at Jesus an example Jesus' example is he follows the Father. He obeys the Father. He is the example for us to look to. And when we do that, when we follow Jesus' example, 
when we obey God, we see that we get gifts. Not just any gifts, but we get the best. Because that's what God wants for each and every one of us. And so now, we're going to reflect upon that. And this is where you need your doves to come into uh, what we're going to do. Because what I want to do, we're going to have a few minutes uh, of uh, music playing in the background. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about what is it that God wants you to obey him in. It may be something that you're already doing. It may be something that uh, you are not aware of, uh, but as you pray, you may well feel convicted by God. It may be that it's something you're well aware of, and actually you're a bit scared, and you're not doing it yet. Whatever it is, maybe more than one thing, what I want you to do is I want you to write it on your dove. You can write it on the wings, you can unfold it and write it down and fold it up so no one can see it, however you want to do it. But the the reason you're writing it on the dove is because the dove, if we remember back to Jesus' baptism, is the representation of the Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit that we can do all things that God calls us to. So, as I say, we're going to have some time of uh, music playing in the background. Think about prayer, about what it is those things that God's calling you to do. And then write them on your dove. And then please, particularly uh, this week, take your dove home with you so that you can be reminded to pray about those things. That God will continue to, to fill you with his spirit and that you might have the strength to be able to do that which you are called to do. So I shall, uh, as I say, have music in the background for a few minutes and then I will draw us together in a prayer at the end.
And let's, in a moment of quiet now, let's draw all of these things together. Father, we do pray for those things that have been written down. For the fact that you do call us to follow you but also in more specific areas in our lives. And so, Father, we do pray for your guidance to be clear to us that we would understand that call, for your strength to be able to follow your call even in times and places where that might be worrying for us. We offer all of these up to you knowing that through the power of your Holy Spirit we are able to do all these things just as you have commanded us. And also, Father, as we pray, we do also remember those who are not well at this time, those who are in hospital, those who are sick and unable to be with us, those who are preparing for appointments in hospital and we do remember all of those praying that you would be with them praying that your healing touch would be upon their lives and praying for their full restoration through your healing power Amen